All right, you ready to do this? Yeah. Okay, I got an intro. Okay, sweet. Spoiler alert! Here is this week's show show with Sweets and Slaney. Week's good, not watching a lot. There hasn't been a lot. I no. started watching Hard Knocks again. That's a thing that happens every August. Where HBO uh, does a kind of uh, a docu-series over the course of four weeks on one NFL team. Mm. And is narrated by Liev Schreiber. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> and he speaks... Just like this, like it does not sound like Leave Schreiber at all. Does he have an accent? Is he Irish or he just no? He's just named Leave Schreiber. Yeah, yeah. He's like from New York, I think. But like his announcer voice is, you wouldn't believe it, mm. kind of thing. Like okay, yeah. And so, what are they? What are they profiling it, right now? It, the Dallas Cowboys. Oh, okay. Yeah. So that's that's something that I've been watching a little bit. But beyond that. Um, Are you anti-Dallas Cowboys because they're one of the other, like, big dynasty teams? No, they haven't been good since I've, like, watched football, which has been 20 years. So, oh, wow. But they have some hardcore fans. Oh, yeah. Yeah. They're America's team. Yeah. But it doesn't really mean anything to okay. <laughs> It sounds like you do have personal feelings about No, I don't. Team. I don't. <laughs> they're not even in the same division as the Patriots, so right. it's not even really, like, a... Like a discussion. It is definitely a summer lull, especially now that White Lotus is over, which, I mean, was such a blip Yeah. in hindsight. It was only six episodes, but, like, it gave the world something to discuss, to, yeah. to unite over. And totally. It was, it was kind of fun. And other than that, like, God, we, we've talked an awful lot on this podcast this year about the Dawson's Creeks and the Mad Men's that yeah. I've been watching. Yeah. I, I, I tried watching another Mr. Corman. Oh, yeah? Did you? No. You didn't really sell episode two. No, I didn't. And episode three, honestly, not sure I could sell that to you either. No, yeah. See, I don't need it. And I don't have Apple TV, and so it would be kind of a rigmarole right. for me to get to it. Yeah. Yeah. Um, well, We started, like, we went. We actually went backwards to, like, I think before we moved into our house, when we were, like, finishing that season of Luther, or, like, we were, like, halfway through oh. a season of Luther, and we were like, should we pick that up again? People don't talk about Luther anymore. People don't talk about Luther. The last no. season was in 2019. Yeah. So, and I don't even think we watched, we finished like this season before that. But correct really me if felt. I'm wrong, that's one of those shows where people say like, maybe it'll come back. Yeah. Because it's a BBC show. Yeah. Like it's one of those things like Sherlock, like they could bring it back at any time. Mm -hmm. And it's and it's just a quick little shoot. It's good to get Idris in it's the- like six episodes. In the news. And yeah. I maintain that Idris Elba is not really sticking as the movie star we thought he could be. No. And so maybe he'll have to go back to television. Yeah, that would be cool. Well, except for that he made that show based on his experience as a DJ last year, and it was one of the worst shows That's we've true. ever profiled. That's true. I guess that is a, a television show. Yeah. I was thinking more like an HBO vehicle. What the hell was that called? It was something like... Uh... It was so dumb. It was called like Pump Up the Jams or something. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I think that's what it was. Yeah. Yeah. Anyways, so hopefully he doesn't make Pump Up the Jams Volume 2. No, I know. We watched the movie Downhill, which is the uh, Will Ferrell, uh, Julia Louis-Dreyfus movie, the snowboarding ski skiing movie they put out last year. Oh. So the idea is that it's a remake of oh, right. a foreign film. Uh, Called like Majeure or something? Force Majeure. Force maybe? Majeure, yeah. Yeah, and the, it's, a, it's a family drama yeah. about this family that's like vacationing in the the snowy mountains they're having this like ski lodge kind of family vacation and yep. then they're having brunch mm -hmm. at the outdoor patio and yep. there's an avalanche scare right and everyone thinks they're gonna die mm -hmm. and when everything settles down they realize that dad will ferrell in this case actually 
uh, hightailed it out of there and didn't like stay to be with his family right. for their demise. Yeah, he like yeah. he he saved himself and his phone. There's this like really like dated thing where he's like really obsessed with his phone and his, oh, and his no. what's going on back at the yeah, office. It's like it was like a Danish movie or something or like a French movie. Yeah, or a Swedish movie maybe. Maybe Swedish, sure. Um and I just know that Will Ferrell has like Swedish ties in his family and that, that he might have been part of the reason why they 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 brought it over to the Anglophiles. I yeah. would say that this movie is a perfect example of why they very badly need to not make Parasite in English because it was just bad. The translation's not there. It's so bad. Wow. It's very depressing and Oof. almost not a laugh in it. And I don't mean like it's disguising itself as a dark comedy, but actually it's depressing. I mean like it's a straight drama with two of the most bankably hilarious people of a generation. And neither one of them is likable. So it's Will Ferrell and who is the other person? Julia Louis-Dreyfus is oh, his right. wife. And wow. so you would think based on the premise that this whole thing is predicated around him being the callous villain. Right. And she has to figure out what to do with herself. And I guess that's true. But somehow she makes herself the more unreasonable one of the two of them. Whoa. Because you just, you're watching this and you're just like, oh, give him a break. Right. <laughs> Please stop <laughs> He's it. He's not that bad. No. Like at one point- uh, his friends from work come over to their hotel because they're also like out skiing in the mountains uh -huh. and they just launch into this like big fight over whether or not he's a good family man in front of his his friends and then she goes to get the kids out of bed yeah. and asks the kids to tell the work friends what really happened. She completely like uh, manipulates and weaponizes the kids against their father. Whoa. And then it ends in 85 minutes, and it's kind <laughs> and of you're like you're not this happier at the end. Rushed patchwork finish huh. that's like I guess kind of tidy, but I was so glum after watching it. I think I I don't know. Did we talk about how I watched uh, the most recent Fast and Furious? No. Yeah, we watched that. Good. Is this the space no. one? Uh, yes, it's the space one. Okay. Oh my god, it's actually like. Like the first one was so good and then it got ridiculous and it was kind of fun. And then this one's just like straight off the bat. Like they, we are. They do seem to, to be parodying just, themselves. Now. They are. Yeah. But even still, there's like a level of like a level of seriousness and like family and like stuff that it's just. Family with a gritty voice. One thing that family, I. Family. We're family. One thing that I did like and maybe a spoiler alert, but not really. It's fine. One of uh, uh, Tyrese's. um kind of character things in this is he's like man like he has a near-death experience and he's like i think i'm invincible i think we're invincible he's like <laughs> i don't think we can die okay like, think of all the stuff we did yeah like and then he starts kind of like that's kind of how i feel about meredith gray yeah it's just like exactly. you, like, you it'd be like if meredith gray was like i actually have a million lives honestly a gray's anatomy fast and furious crossover would be the most hilarious End to pop culture as we know it, but hilarious nonetheless. Yeah. Wouldn't be the worst uh, crossover in the world. No. Well, they brought in it. Helen Mirren a couple times. Like, that's clearly just a joke in in of itself, right? right. Like, it's so it's such a juxtaposition that this, like, classic, yeah. classic she, British she, actress. She made a, a stop. Yeah. Stop. In Is she, part. like, a tough lady in it? Um, She's more of, like, a like a wise English burglar. Okay. Yeah. Who's, right. like, super rich. Yeah. Owns a mansion kind mm. of thing. Um, and she's the mother of Jason Statham. She's the mother of Jason Statham. I see. Yeah. Um, can't really think of anything else I've been watching. I must have watched another movie or something. I really want to see that movie Pig. 
Yeah, I keep hearing about Pig. Yeah, people yeah. love that movie. That's the Nick Cage one. Yeah. Yeah. So I'd like to see that. Didn't tell you that I listened to Yearbook, I don't think. Did I? I read Yearbook. You read it all? Yeah. Isn't it funny how Seth Rogen kind of like goes all in on, like he spills some tea. Yeah. Like, well, and He I, doesn't pull any punches. I think it's a necessary element of a celebrity memoir to make it dishy. Yeah. But you're right. There's a couple of people like, and like, it's- it's he, Like he calls the head of Sony Satan. Yep. And like he, and he would have to get that, that all checked through. Yeah, the legality of it. Yeah, and obviously it was like, no, I'm happy to call this guy. And I think Nick like, Cage has like one of the better cases of like coming off really yeah, bad in the book. Yeah, well, they like him. At he, the end. I guess, and he keeps but, saying like, and by the way, I'm a fan of Nick Cage movies, yeah, but yeah. like this guy is so weird. But there's right. also this like theme of like maybe he's passively racist because he wants credit for the white Jamaican guy character that, right. that by the way, James Franco didn't play in Spring no. Breakers. It's not the same guy. Right. And like Tom Cruise, it's dishy about Tom Cruise and it's interesting just because it like brings you into that weird universe of Tom Cruise, which we know exists, but it doesn't really say anything about him that Tom Cruise is ashamed of. No. Just that he tries to recruit them for Scientology, yeah. but everything else is fine. Yeah. George Lucas comes off pretty psycho in it. Yeah. He does say... Yeah, he intentionally like kind of throws George Lucas under the bus. Their conversations with George Lucas are all around like, and this is pre twenty twelve, right? But basically, George Lucas is talking as if he really thinks for sure the world is going to end in twenty twelve, right? And so Seth is making jokes like, "Well, if you got a spaceship, like, right? Maybe Let I can get a it. seat on that." And he's just very stone cold. No, absolutely not. Right. And so like, maybe it's a great tro- troll job, or maybe he really believed the world was going to end in twenty twelve. Which, by the way. It's not mentioned in the book, but it's notable that that's when he sold Star Wars. So ah, <laughs> that is a good point. Mm. Must have not cared at that point. Yeah. Um. Any other books you're reading? Any other things you're watching? Any other? I got a Kindle. I got a Kindle for my birthday. Okay. Um, which I kind of thought would like get me back into reading more often. I'd read in bed more often. Mm. Uh, and right now, all I find myself doing is I'm just like reading a ton of things and like classics that I've never gotten around to, but like I'm in the first chapter of like five different books, like To Kill a Mockingbird. Gotcha. Um, Cause I realized I never read To Kill a Mockingbird. So I like put it on the Kindle and I start reading it. And then I you know, I hear about 100 Years of Solitude and I'm like, well, I wanna read that too. And so I'm reading the first chapter of that as well. And there was something else too. There's a, oh, uh, uh, Death on the Nile. I start reading Death on the Nile on the Kindle. Mm. And so I can't seem to pick one. Interesting. Yeah. What if you did pick one and just stuck through with it? I'm most, Intrigued right now by A Hundred Years of Solitude okay. by Gabriel Garcia Marquez. I heard this really interesting story about how like he had already he had already written Love in the Time of Cholera. And so he was like a notable writer of his time in the 70s. Mm-hmm. And so he is going for a family vacation. They're like all packed into the car and they're about to like drive across, I don't know, America or something. And they get like a few hours away from home. On their way to vacation, he gets really quiet and his wife's like, what's wrong? And he's like, okay, I'm going to pull over. Um, You drive. I'm going to get a bus home. Whoa. Because he had been struck with this epic novel. Oh, my God. About 100 years of of this uh, intergenerational um, story. And he goes home and wins the Nobel Prize a year later. Whoa. Just abandons his family on vacation because he realizes how important it is. He's a real to, Will Ferrell in that per- scenario. Well, except for that, he he knew how valuable this uh, this inspiration was, mm-hmm. and he did not 
tell himself, well, I'll find time to do that after vacation. Or like he knew how important it was to do it now. I wonder how his wife took it. She probably understood when he won the Nobel Prize. At that point, she must have let it go. She's like, okay, fine. And the kids. Yeah. But no, that would have sucked for them at the time. Right. (laughs) Daddy, where are you going? Yeah. See you later. It really looks like he's just going to go to his mistress. (laughs) Yeah. Like, (laughs) daddy's going to buy cigarettes. (laughs) Yeah. He's probably never coming back. Mm -hmm. So I'm interested in that book. I've been reading that a little bit, but it's kind of hard to read. Yeah, I'm. Uh, I haven't really been been uh, into into a classic lately. Been kind of focused on on extracurriculars there. But um, what? Uh, what? And nothing else you're watching? No other movies? We're just like watching a lot. We're just watching a lot of West Wing. A lot of West Wing. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. I but, dig it. But no movies or anything. I, I guess we can talk about Jeopardy. That is yet again. I think the, it's the biggest story the, of the week. The biggest story of the week. And it was last time. And mm-hmm. then 12 hours after we put up the podcast, the story updates itself. Yeah. We were talking last about how indeed Mike Richards appeared to, Michael Richards, yeah. Mike Richards, I don't know. appeared to hire himself. And then he fired himself. Right. And so he's not going to be the host of Jeopardy after all in this tornado of, of bad press around his uh, uh, allegations or or... I guess it's not just allegations. Like there's tape that exists of him being inappropriate at the prices, right? Uh, and, and just side note, I don't know if I said this recently, but like lost in all this is the fact that it's the 50th season of the prices, right? Wow. This year. And so like all this game show talk is being uh, given to jeopardy, but this other dynasty, this other like classic American uh, beacon of consumerism mm-hmm. in daytime TV is kind of in the shadow. And th- having pet spayed or neutered for That's that true. matter. That's true. Done a lot for the pet world. Well, yeah, it's a bastion of stability. Sure, yeah. <laughs> Not to overstate it or yeah. anything. So uh, no longer going to be the host. In the meantime, Mayim Bialik is going to fill in for three weeks. Mm. And some people are of the mind like, hey, just give it to her. I think maybe either she doesn't want it or it's conflicting. I do not buy that it conflicts with Call Me Cat. That's not a good reason <laughs> not to host Jeffrey. Right. And did you see the news today that was like, it was a Rolling Stone article, and it's like, and she doesn't have the greatest record either with everything. I mean, it's true. She's kind of weird about vaccines. Yeah, I was reading through it. I didn't know any of these yeah. things. And she's kind of like, you know, pumping up some like nootropic companies that are like considered somewhat pseudoscience and has some, yeah, some interesting theories. Well, and like, I know that she also is like a doctor of uh, astrophysics or, or something very yeah. Big Bang Theory-ish, mm-hmm. but I kind of feel like that's not the impetus behind her being a good fit for Jeopardy. It's just that she's already been in the CBS family and she played a nerd on TV for nine years. Right. I don't think it's about her actual credentials at all. Yeah, you, have you seen her host Jeopardy? Yeah, and she was okay. She's a lot of people's second favorite. Okay. She's okay. She has this weird tick that she could learn to train away. It was probably a nervous habit, but I got so that I noticed it every time. What was it? If there was any sort of cheekiness to the question or any just kind of like like color to the question. So not a math question, Mm -hmm. not a geography question, not like a boring, straight fact-based science question, but like a pop culture question. Like who is Mick Jagger? Every single time she would confirm that the answer is right, she would giggle. (laughs) That's right. And it was very cringy. She would do it like 40 times a show. Yeah. Yeah, that'd be annoying. (laughs) Yes, it is. After the first first time, once it happened the second time, that's when you start cluing into it. But it's probably a nervous tick. Yeah. Speaking of Mick Jagger, Mm. actually, are we we done with Jeopardy, we think? Are we done with Jeopardy? Do you think Ken Jennings still has a chance? I kind of don't. Yeah, it doesn't seem like 
they're including him. I have no idea. Maybe it's just going to be Mayim Bialik after all. Mm -hmm. What's really weird, though, is that whoever it is is still going to work for Michael Richards because he has not removed himself from the executive producer role. Mm -hmm. And so he's still going to be there producing the show and everyone's going to be like fully aware of what happened and surely not respecting him as much. There and there was another thing I read about like him asking Ken Jennings to like come to a taping of his show or something and can locked him in a room him to the green room. Yeah. Yeah. While that he is... taped the show that Ken was contracted to do. Right, to do. He was there. Oh my God. <laughs> what a skis. Psychopathic. Not a fan. No. No. Uh, I don't have a whole lot to say about Charlie Watts. No. No. Just that well, I mean he was a uh, he was he was the guy in the Rolling Stones that looked the most out of place. He was always like very yeah. calm, like very just kind of like I guess he was he loved he either loved jazz or the blues. He'd be most likely to wear like an orange Home Depot vest of all of the Rolling oh, Stones. Oh, one hundred percent. He looks the most like someone that we could have worked with at one point. Yeah, he does look like an evening announcer on Killer Sport. Yeah, yeah so, exactly. Right. Yeah. <laughs> so he like he um I guess was just kind of a bit of a like quiet badass and like didn't really partake in as much of the bullshit. That's and, what my uh, mom said in not so many words. She, is that right? She apparently liked Charlie Watts because he was the only Rolling Stone to not mess around on his wife. Oh, my God. As <laughs> if you could ever confirm that. Hilarious. Well, exactly. You don't know that for sure. But I guess he he didn't sleep with Anita Pallenberg, and that's good enough for my mom. Okay. Yeah. Who's Anita Pallenberg? She was like the Yoko Ono of the Rolling Stones. So she, she was the wife, I believe, of... Brian Jones in the original oh, formation. Gotcha. And then she hooked up with Keith and Mick and she was just like, uh, do you know the story about about the the per- the, the kid who was like a gardener or a housekeeper or something who shot himself in the head in, in Keith Richards' house? No. So he was like, he worked at Keith Richards' house. He was like 19 or something. Yeah. And uh, it turns out, or at least I think that she got off. So I don't know if this is true. Allegedly, he played Russian roulette with Anita Pallenberg. Whoa. While they were like naked in Keith Richards' bed or something, and he oh, killed wow. himself. Yeah, there were probably drugs involved. Yes, <laughs> there was probably drugs involved. Anyway, so she was, she was like a bit of a a spicy factor of, bit of the a Rolling wild Stones. Card. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Okay. She shook things up. Yeah, <laughs> kept it interesting, but not Charlie Watts in a Russian roulette <laughs> in <laughs> someone else's bed kind of way. Yeah, gotcha. Huh. Um. Anyways, all this to say. R.I.P. Charlie Watts. Saw twice. Did you? You saw the Rolling Stones twice? Yeah, in Moncton and Halifax. Wow. Mm-hmm. I didn't know you cared that much. Oh, man. Of course. Yeah. Of course. Well, the first time that when they came to, they came to Moncton first. Yep. So it was just all too accessible to go again the next year when they actually came to Halifax. Well, and when they come to Moncton, you think, this is my only chance. Exactly. Not knowing, in fact, that it's not your only chance. Right. Yeah. Yeah, that makes sense. So I went, okay? Which I show was to. better? Do you remember having an opinion? Definitely the Moncton one because no the Halifax one, although the Halifax one was great, Kanye West played too. Sure. Um, we talk about that next. We'll talk about that okay. next, yeah. Um, but uh, great show, but freezing cold, like rain in like September. Mm. It was so frigid. Yeah, it did rain. It rained on you too, I think as well. Yeah, uh, that was in Moncton. Moncton, yeah. Wasn't at that one. Didn't rain on Springsteen, but not a lot of people came. I didn't realize until after the fact that it was like an empty show. Uh, I I had a great time. I would have went 10 times out of 10 if he came back. I wasn't a fan at all at the time. A Bruce? Yeah. Yeah. Just wasn't really into him. Well, it was great. It was a really good time. It's so funny to imagine Kanye West opening for anyone, even the legendary Rolling Stones. Yeah. It's so so interesting to imagine him like 
at that earlier, more modest stage of his career, mm-hmm. when he was still probably so full of piss and vinegar. Oh yeah, he like late registration was still out. It yeah. was still like pretty. He was still pretty famous, and he was touring with the Rolling Stones for a little bit. Like he'd opened in like Halifax, Toronto, I think Vancouver, like a, like a bunch of Canadian shows, probably a few American shows too. So. It was like a month ago I told you on the podcast that Donda was coming out like in a few hours and that still hasn't happened? It still has not happened. And but, it's supposed to happen tomorrow. But I wasn't ir- I wasn't wrong at no, the time, no, 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 right? No, no, he just no, keeps no. doing this. He keeps saying it. Like yeah. it was supposed to be like August 6th and then it was 13th and then I don't think we've heard from him since. He was like barricading himself in the Superdome, finishing the album. Why the Superdome? He's Super done Dome? these, I don't know. Okay. He's done these listening <laughs> parties. This one's supposed to be, I think at, it's Soldier Field in Chicago or Shea Stadium, and they're, they're, right. he's building like a model of his his house. One of my fa- one home. of my just to backtrack, one of my favorite uh, stories in it's a very short little story in the Seth Rogen book, your book, is when he like lives in the same neighborhood as Kanye West, and Kanye West knocked on his door with a basketball <laughs> and invited him to come out and play <laughs> basketball. Like <laughs> him play, <laughs> which he's... is so cute. <laughs> yeah. And then Seth Rogen was like, "No, I don't think." And, and I, he's like, "I'm too hungover." I was hungover, <laughs> and I think on some level he also thought he would embarrass himself. Right. Yeah. But like, and then like Kanye West just like hangs his head and walks away with his ball. It's just like, the oh, weirdest man. image. And the, the the guy who does the impression of him throughout the book is actually pretty good or it's an audio book that oh i just read it on paper right. yeah <laughs> so i keep wanting to reference the voices from it but it was audible that's interesting i've never this is kind of weird for me but i've not been an audio book kind of person but it seems like the production value of them has really gone up yeah yeah, yeah some, sometimes it's a little weird or mm. annoying like the colin jost book i think i might have preferred more yeah the seth rogan book like when it when he's talking about like his grandma mm. and there are quotes coming from like a, a another voice. Yeah. It's kind of weird. It kind of throws you have to bit. cast the whole book. That's kind of silly. Yeah. Yeah. I, I don't think it's necessary, but the book but is also did. written partially in script form. Yeah. I don't know if you know that from not having looked at the pages, but no, like, but I, I guess I could, d- could take that because there's a lot of right. conversations going. Well, and, and just forth. like rather than saying, how you doing, Seth, said Grandma. It's just like, it says Grandma colon, how you doing, Seth. Right. A lot of the book is written, the dialogue portions right. are like that, which and is kind him of a like, cool way of writing it. Like getting drugs in Vancouver with his buddies, and right. there's like three of them talking, yeah. Mm. Oh, and the other thing about Kanye West is that he wants to legally change his name to Ye. Okay, that's not the craziest thing he could have done. It's not, no. I'm not sure what the point would be. Yeah, because like it's already your nickname. People already call him. People yeah. call you that. If you want people to call you that yeah. more, just like ask to be called that. But it's you like, don't have to go through like the legalities of it's, it. It's like if I said I want to change my name legally to Matt. Yeah. People would be like, well, why? Yeah, we already call you that. Yeah, that's, that's dumb. It's like when. No, nah, well, I'll I'll go ahead and say it. It's not a big deal. But it's like when someone names their kid the shorter version of a longer name. Sure. And it's like, why wouldn't you give the option? Oh, okay. You know, well, like it would be like, like if you named your kid Tony. When it was like, why wouldn't you just name him Anthony and call him Tony? Because then later yeah. on, he could go, I just want to be Anthony, or I want to be. Maybe you just really don't like that other version of the name. That's true, and like, I think that's usually what it comes down. Like to. you really like the the name Ben, but like Benjamin is kind of weird, and you wouldn't want to imagine your kid going by Jammin. <laughs> I actually love the name Benjamin. Yeah, okay. Maybe it was a bad example. No, it was it was a good example for us to debate because I think you get three out yeah. of Ben. It's kind of like 
like Matthew. Yeah. You can be Matt, you can be Matthew, you can be Maddie. But Maddie doesn't work for a lot of people. Uh, do, do, how many people call you Maddie? I mean, if someone's like, I mean, that's my Instagram handle, A. But B, if I if I were to hit a good shot mm-hmm. in whatever it is, and some <laughs> in like any a, ball sport, a family member on my side or Jen's side were to go, Maddie, yep. yep, it's like great. But you don't have anyone in your life who that's what they call you. Not regularly, but like my my parents will affectionately call me Maddie. Jen yep. will affectionately call me Maddie. Right. I'm right. good with it. No, it's so you good. could be Benjamin, Ben, Benny. Yeah, I don't like Benny. No. Do you ever meet a Benny? With the Jets. Ah. He's got electric boots. That's right. No, but I feel like Benny would be fine for it's, a certain amount of I guess. I'm, well, this is that uh, nominal determinants thing you're always talking about. Is like, right. how well does a person actually suit the name that they have? And then I, I do like the name Jammin, too. Jammin. I mean, like, but again, like, if you can pull off Jammin, then power to you. But, <laughs> yeah, but that's but, a tough one. But man. it's because of nominal determinants it that is. they can pull it off. Well, except for that, you could always escape into just being boring old Ben. Mm. If you were given the birth name Jammin, your parents gave you that, that's mm. going to force you into a, a situation where you really have to live up to Jammin. Yeah, I think you would too. <laughs> I really think you would. And your whole damn life would you just- You carry a tambourine around with you. Yes, your whole life would just be avoiding that stupid Bob Marley song. <laughs> yeah. People would be singing it constantly. <laughs> I thought that jamming was a thing of the past. <laughs> uh, the more we say jamming, the more I think it's not the worst name. Especially if it's not spelt right, really. Like right. it's J-A-M-I-N. Well, we have friends who just had a baby like three weeks ago, uh-huh. two weeks ago. And the baby's name is Eleanor, which I really like. I, I like some of these, like... People like the classic names, bringing those back. Especially in female names. Like, some mm. of these, like, kind of old lady names are mm. really cute on little baby girls, but they've already started calling her Ellie, which right. is fine. That's also really cute. But it's interesting that they, like, chose to ha- for her to have, like, a formal name, mm-hmm. and already they've decided that they're not going to call her that. And they shorten it. Yeah. She can change it at whatever point. Right. It's not like naming your baby Yay and then not having the option to go to Kanye if you want to be more formal. Right. <laughs> because that's what he's going for. Right. Formality. Formality. <laughs> Are he and Kim back together? I don't think so. I thought they were. They might be because she's going to the next listening party of Donda, which is tomorrow. How do you know that? I know everything. Oh, okay. You saw the guest <laughs> list? <laughs> I saw the guest list. That's nice that she's still invited to things, even though, I mean, they have like six kids together, I guess. I think that, uh, yeah, that I don't think you'd ever turn it down. No, I think it's no. Her, if you, you it's could. her, it's her decision to make. Well, maybe it's just like good marketing. Like she, if she hears anything she doesn't like, she can get ahead of it. Yeah, exactly. At the listening party, <laughs> yeah. and I guess he's not really even like. It's not like he's playing the album at the listening party. I think he's like rapping over it. Hmm. Like he's like playing the music. It's not like oh, he's doing a live show. Up. Kind of. Oh. But I think a lot of it is just him like jamming, J-A-M-I-N. Right, right. And just kind of like like praying at random points, like taking a knee while the music is playing. Some sure. of it might be recorded. Maybe he's doing re-records. But my- He's going to do his like classic ranting thing? Yeah. Okay. My my overall thought is that it's not, uh, it's not completely finished still. Right. Like it's not like he has played a finished product every time. I was watching a Bo Burnham interview, and we're going to talk about Bo Burnham some more in a second, but um, 
he was talking about the creation of his can't handle this Kanye West rant from right. Make Happy, which is like yeah. the closer of that special, mm-hmm. and about how he watched like tons of cell phone videos of different Kanye rants from the, I guess it was the Watch the Throne tour or something. I don't know what it was, but um, it was probably probably like the Glow in the Dark tour or something. Maybe or maybe Jesus. Maybe it was Jesus. Yeah. Um, and just like every night, he'd like put on the auto tune, and they'd have this like weird like polyphonic music like toning and like throbbing from the speakers, and he just ran for like twelve minutes about like whatever was like on his mind that day. Uh-huh. And he <laughs> mentioned one in particular where he did like an eight minute sermon where the refrain was. They should have let MJ buy the Bulls. <laughs> he just keeps like talking, just ranting <laughs> about the NBA, and he just keeps coming back to they should have let MJ buy the Bulls. That's awesome. We both thought that was funny. Wow. Um, is he from Chicago? Who? Bo? No, he's no, from he's Massachusetts. Right. Yeah. Uh, but speaking of Bo and the NBA, no longer going to play Larry Bird. Yeah, he, he bailed. He dropped out on that. Do we know why? Well, Do we think he was just like, I, I, it didn't make any sense? Was a bit of a stretch. It kind of didn't make sense, just because he's tall and white. Yeah, and he's very famous right now. Mm-hmm. I don't think he had really any interest in the story. I don't think he would have been like, "Yeah, it's not. Bird, it's sweet. not on brand." I mean, not that he's like a brand focused person. Like maybe he wanted to challenge himself. I thought it but... would have been a cool move, and I think it can still be something. But I think after he's kind of reached the like superstar height after Inside, it's him a doing weird, kind of like a bit part. It's a weird post Inside. Yeah. And so maybe that's what it's connected to. Uh, they just cited scheduling uh, conflicts, mm-hmm. which is very believable now, if not always. Like, COVID right. has disrupted everybody's schedule. Yeah. But also, yeah, maybe just like he's going to win like four or five Emmys in a couple of weeks. Yeah. Geez, that might not age very well. But like, seems to me like he's going to have a different series of options mm-hmm. as a professional coming forward. Um, was going to mention that the girl from uh, Hacks was on Comedy Bang Bang. She's everywhere. I really like her. Yeah, she's cool. She seems like uh, super funny. But like, it is a ridiculously fast rise to like prominence. So did you know that her? Did you know about her mom? No, she's one of the original SNL cast members. Lorraine. Lorraine Newman. Newman is her, her mom. Oh. Yeah. Oh, Isn't that okay. crazy? All right. That's a foot in the door. She did not bring it up at all. Scott Ackerman brought it up. And she Integrity. like quickly kind of like, she was like, and she just released a new book, didn't she? Do you, do you want to talk about that at all? And she was like, yeah, not so much. Okay. And it was kind of like interesting. I don't know if she just, like her, she's got a different last name. Einbinder. Einbinder. <laughs> yeah. Good, good recall there. Yeah. Um, And I think, maybe is like close with her, but just doesn't want to be like tied into it. Doesn't want that to be the thing that people bring up. That's kind of what I took away from it, which I was like, good on you. Cause well, I wouldn't have known that. That is an integrity move. But on the other hand, it's like, am I to believe that she got this incredibly prominent role on the big HBO show without really any resume without she, nepotism? She is a stand up, and I think she's been doing stand up for quite some time. Yeah. Okay. But she's not, like she wasn't on crashing at any point, you know what I mean? Like she's not, she's not like no. I we've never heard of her. I, I would say maybe more of like, uh, like on like the like kind of Chris Gethard style, okay, level of doing stand. Look, I'm not saying that she just like got out of private school and walked into a, a Lena Dunham situation. It's, it's totally possible. It I don't just, know why. It I... seems to me like like it, the the coincidence is too weird. If she got that sweet job the same way her character gets that sweet job in the show. 
and yeah it's like and she happens to have this comedy legend for a mother but that had truly nothing, nothing to do, to with, do it. with it yeah it's true and i'm i'm not like it's true i'm not criticizing nepotism if you have access i guess take advantage of it but also like don't be and it's all also okay i guess to be ashamed of it but like don't pretend is what i'm saying yeah i think she, i sure i think maybe she's pretending in the same way like maybe emilio estevez is pretending well, isn't his father the one who's pretending, though? Because Estevez is their name. That's true. Yeah. Well, I think Einbinder is probably their name, too. Yeah, you're probably right. <laughs> well, well, it's probably her dad's name. Oh, yeah. Good point. Yeah. Good point. Um, so, yeah, wanted to give you, give you that. Say I thought she was funny. She seemed like she was off the top of her dome a little bit. Wasn't, uh, wasn't flashy or a jerk. Was a good, like play along scott ackerman seemed to really like enjoy her did they do she wasn't they over do the top characters are they still doing characters on that show oh yeah, yeah. that's that's not all it is but it's always like a person that is interviewed and then a character that comes in and they both are kind of like maybe interviewing the character scott ackerman is your longest lasting podcast relationship it was my first podcast relationship yep. you are still in on that i'm still in on it i feel yeah. like it's out of a sense of like respect at this point sure and loyalty and you care loyalty, exactly um that's how i feel about Marin. Marin's like totally. a family member totally yeah it's it's so weird because um yeah i feel like every year when the best ofs happen i'm like i don't think there was an episode i missed there might have been like one that i kind of fast forwarded through right. but like i think overall like i got 90 percent of them yeah, like is it the same? Up. Is it the same folks? This is still your Lauren Lapkuses and your Ben Schwartzes, your Jammin Schwartzes. And... Well, it's it's funny because not really like no. they, like Ego Nuodum would be like a more like recurring character at this point, or like Carl Tart, or um, people that are like writing on shows that you don't know, and then he kind of like keeps bringing these classes of people, people that are maybe performing at like UCB, yeah, kind of like regularly, like. Like Drew Tart, the guy from the other two. The second season's releasing today, I think, tomorrow. Okay. Um uh he is was it Drew Tart? You just you've said Tart Carl Tart. Yeah. Drew what's his last name? Tarver. Okay. Anyways, uh he was someone who was on quite a bit at one point and then like kind of moves on and then like so he's he's tries to do a, a good job, I think, of ushering these kind of like younger improv people through which is noble and there's always like a few people who get a lot of credit for doing that judd apatow and lord michaels but like it sounds like totally scott ackerman's really made that like a part of his pursuit which is noble and i don't think he gets enough credit for his pioneerism of the podcast format 100 percent, and and i don't think that and he he makes jokes about like he's like i had conan o'brien on and now conan o'brien's got like one of the biggest podcasts in the world he's like I i'm not doing this for celebrities anymore man because they're taking our they're eating conan o'brien kind of pissed me off like and he always does like i always i listen to the good guests and, yeah. and i groan and i don't actively dislike conan o'brien as a as a comedic mind but mm -hmm. the fact that his podcast exists bothers me for the same reason it bothers scott ackerman yeah and did you listen to the the michael keaton episode of needs a friend I haven't listened to it for a while you're not missing much but i i wanted to hear what michael keaton had to say because i thought well i've never heard like a long-form interview with him and uh it turns out nobody has uh he said uh in the podcast uh michael keaton who by the way was a great guest mm -hmm. really cool guy he said this is only the second podcast i've ever done i did mark maron's like half a decade ago but 
uh, I really enjoyed this. And he's kind of just like butter and Conan's bread a little bit and mm-hmm. said, I, I really like this like long form format where we can actually connect. And he says of podcasts towards the end, thinking of getting me one of these. That's what uh, Michael Keaton says. Very casually, just like joking. Right. Thinking about getting me one of these. And Conan is like, don't take this away from me. Oh it's all I yeah. have. And he's yeah, like yeah. very sincerely, and he's doing his Conan joke thing, yeah, yeah, yeah. but he is not realizing he's that not he's done that. that. Yeah, yeah he, you, <laughs> he really likes to play up this while I'm, and I know that it worked at 12.30 on NBC, being right. in being the shadow like the, of the, the Tonight Show. That... But he, he's still do after they paid him $45 million and he owned his show for a decade, yeah. he still likes to play this I'm just like the underdog among famous people, and right. it's really boring. Yeah, yeah, you're right. It's played out for yeah. sure. For sure, I love. I would love to have been in the room while you were listening to that, just to see the eye roll. Oh, I that, was just like, like went through the ceiling. <laughs> yeah, because yeah. it, it's it's true. It's though. Don't take this away from me. Yeah. They're still like giving you credit for inventing podcasting twelve years after podcasting <laughs> came out. Right. Like, you have all the the, the accolades you need. Yeah. Uh, oh, the other big thing in in pop culture. Are you getting bitten? Bitten, by the way? No, not not really at all. It, there was a a huge moth that just flew. I my saw face him too, and it terrified me. I feel like I'm not getting bitten too badly, but maybe the thermocell's not working as well as it normally does. I mean, it's it's a perfect night for bugs. Oh my god, it's a good night. Got, I think it's I think it's going okay. And we got the Brook Shield back there. It's like it's exactly not shielding us from the bugs generally. No, it's actually kind of uh, a, kind of guiding the bugs toward us. It's the Brook Shield from development within <laughs> the green belt. That's what the shield was. It right. doesn't shield you from bugs. It no. invites the bugs. What was the show Brook Shields was in? Oh god, I don't know. Anyways, was she in Spin City? No, she had like her own show for a little bit. It was a moment. I think I'm just remembering it because it was during my like extremely young formative years, and it like it was like before <laughs> like Seinfeld or something. When you, do you say formative years because like you were attracted to Brooke Shields? Is that why you bring that up? No, I mean I was attracted to TV. <laughs> <laughs> well, no, something's never changed. Yeah, <laughs> it's been a constant. The other big uh, pop culture thing was Spider-Man: No Way Home. That's right. I was going to ask, has there been a thing of Tom Holland sitting down and be like, oh, wait, was I not supposed to say that yet? Because that will just be like so ridiculous. If that starts happening, well, it has to be meme. I mean, there's no there's no leaks now because the trailer's out. Sony put right. the trailer out. Right. So there was a trailer leak. Mm-hmm. I didn't see that before it got quelled. But then within 24 hours, Sony put out the trailer for real. Mm-hmm. And it confirms the multiverse theory of yeah. this third installment, which we knew already because- we knew Doctor Strange Strange was in it, and we knew that Alfred Molina was in it, which is like, that's the biggest right. tell. Yeah. Um, but to see him in the trailer is pretty cool. Yeah. As Doc Ock. And we see Pumpkin Bombs, too, kind of hinting that maybe Willem Dafoe is back. I think I heard a while back a rumor that Jamie Foxx is coming back. From what? He was- uh, He was in a Garfield a, iteration? Electro in Amazing Spider-Man Part 2, which is the worst Spider-Man right. movie by a long shot. But- uh, yeah, take Jamie Foxx anytime you can get him. Well, exactly. And just like, yeah. I, I, I love this idea. Let's lean into it. Let's play mm-hmm. it up. Oh, I wonder if Franco will be in it. I don't think they're getting Franco. No, that would be no. a big guy. I don't well, I don't think they want him. I don't think anybody yeah, wants probably... to touch Franco anymore. Really? You think yeah. that's just totally dead? I kind of do. Yeah. Huh. Very possible. Yeah, I kind of do. But I think that it's just as hard to get Maguire. And like, uh, when was the last time you saw him in anything? Uh, yeah, and he's, He's going to be in like Scorsese's next movie or something, isn't he? Flower Moon? Is he in that? I think he is. Gee, well, Leo's in that. Yeah, I know. Do we have Leo and Toby and Bob De Niro and uh, 
Brendan Fraser? I think it's possible. The Renaissance man. I'm here for it. The Renaissance. Bring the guy back. Yeah. You'll love to see it. <laughs> Toby Maguire kind of looks Bring like Bring him back Brandon like Fraser. Encino Man. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Sure. What's Encino Man? Encino Man was uh, an early uh, movie with <laughs> an early movie for their time yeah. with Brendan Fraser. Oh. Polly Shore. Oh. And um, Sean. Uh, William Scott. A- Ashmore. Sean Astin. A- Ash. Ash- Sean Astin, uh, Samwise Gamgee? Yes. Oh, Sean Astin. Uh, they're in high school, Polly Shore and Sean Astin, kind of losers. They're digging a pool in his backyard in Encino, mm-hmm. and they hit an ice block. And of course, what could be in that ice block but Encino Man, a caveman? Oh, my God. He thaws out. It's Tobey Maguire? It's, no, it's Brendan Fraser. Oh, sorry. <laughs> Yeah, you said that. With like, <laughs> I was gonna say like, huh? <laughs> <laughs> the timing doesn't work really? out here. Anyways, uh, so they kind of try to uh, habitualize Brendan Fraser and start bringing him to school with him, almost like a weekend at Bernie's thing. But okay, like, one's a caveman, right? Uh, and they all become cooler because of Brendan Fraser. Everybody likes Encino Man, yeah. and so they kind of get on the inside. Yeah, yeah. He and he like fights the bullies and like. That kind of stuff, but so like, can't, tot- can't communicate. It's totally like, dumb, right? Doesn't. Oh, it's the dumbest movie ever. <laughs> it's from like 1992. Okay, but it's funny. Encino Man always. It's always sounded to me like the name of a Scorsese movie. It's, no, it's, it's got the title. <laughs> I've heard of it, but I didn't know at all what it was. And it has the title it's of got like in it. it has integrity in its title. No, no, for sure not. I've got it on DVD. I will lend it to you sometime if you want. No, I don't need the DVD of Encino Man. <laughs> if you can find it on Netflix. Please just like start watching it. I'm kind of curious. Yeah. No, it's a I, great early 90s. That's how I'll go back into the Renaissance. Yeah. I'll go back and watch like all the oldies, The Mummy, George of the Jungle. Mm-hmm. I wonder if George of the Jungle is still funny. Like I wonder no. if it's terrible or- I think it's probably terrible. Was it self-aware? Like maybe it was very self-aware and campy. I don't think so. No? I think people would be like talking about it. Like, oh yeah, it was like Clue, but you know. But Clue about. was self-aware and campy. That's what I mean. But- People aren't saying that about. Oh, you, you if people if aren't making were, that comparison. Yeah, if it was good, yeah. You think it's on the plus? Uh, I don't know. Is the is the real is the live action Hundred and One Dalmatians from like? Yeah, with Glenn Close. Yeah. Oh, yeah, that would be on there. Yeah. Right. So maybe it is. Probably is. Yeah, probably so. Okay. All right. What else we got here? Oh, uh, Matrix Resurrections. Thoughts hmm. on the title? It's whatever. Would you like to improvise what the plot is? Oh. Matrix Resurrection. So what's Neo been up to for the last uh, 15 years? That's where you start. Yeah. Um, How did the last one leave off? I'm trying to think. I think like the I think like the Matrix got like reset. Like everyone within kind of got like freed to, I don't know, be okay. who they are. I kind of forget. Like the third one was really bad. You're a big Matrix head, though. I am, but I love the first two. Yeah. The conclusion, I was not a fan of. Shouldn't you watch the trilogy again before the fourth one comes out? Yeah, when's the fourth one supposed to come out? I feel like it's not till like, 2026. Oh, I think you're wrong about that. I, I'm definitely wrong about it. It's, yeah. it's probably, like, within the next year, but... Yeah. But it ha- has it has production started on it yet? Definitely. Oh, okay. Yeah. And the title's out. Well, I mean... Well, they they the... start leaking this kind of stuff when they're ready to show you a teaser. Really? Yeah. Oh. Oh, yeah. And I remember 
hearing at one point, this is how you know. I remember hearing at one point that initially uh, Matrix 4 and Bill and Ted mm-hmm. and uh, John Wick could all come out in the same week. Like they were all, uh, uh, their shooting was all such that it wasn't inconceivable that they could all come out at the same time and Keanu could have the biggest individual box office weekend ever granted covid was a factor in there and stuff probably got moved around mm-hmm. but like bill and ted face the music is already out yeah have you watched that no neither have i um well good I- i'll definitely watch it i don't have high hopes for it weirdly like i'm not like amped for no that's okay that. that's yeah. it's not weird that you that you are as like a fan of something trepidatious not, of something that's yeah. probably just a cash grab yeah like I, I would say like i would be more more into like the force awakens yeah. Than like what this is going to be. I think. But the thing about about Neo, is it the Wachowskis doing it? Just Lana. Okay. I think not both of them. Still though, I mean. Oh sure, it's it's the right uh, pedigree yeah. for sure. Uh, the thing of the thing that differs it obviously from John Wick is like the the supernatural element of it, and so because action movie making has gotten so much better. Like it'd be really cool to see like what they can do cinematically now with Neo in the Matrix. Right. Yeah, I think so too. As long as it doesn't get, because the thing that I hate about Marvel movies and stuff is the like, the sort of CGI. I forget what I might have called it <laughs> in the past, but when you get to a point in the movie where it's just like everything CGI, when you get to the really? point in WandaVision where like they're just flying, they're flying, throwing and just magic at each other and stuff. Because that that's that is what happened at the end of the Matrix, and that was less impressive than a thousand cameras moving around a circle with like an a well, bullet CGI'd. What is that about you though? Because like, are you just like anti reliance on CGI, or is it you just don't like to find no. it unconvincing? I think it's that I don't like to find it unconvincing. Like, like I, there's I, so I, much I, stuff happening. That, I imagine like, when the city is folding in Inception, and like that's 100% yes, CGI, and it's 100%. Beautiful. Yeah, that I'm good with. Yeah, you're right. I think there has to be sort of like, um, I don't know. Maybe like maybe there's like a trippiness that I find fun, rather than like a bunch of um, even like laser guns and stuff. Obviously, that's all CGI. Yeah, but there's sort of a it's ground and a bit more of like um, there are some rules about it. Okay. Once you're just kind of like flying in the air and like wrestling with each other. Well, to lean on the Marvel factor then, like what about the climax of Endgame where they're in that kind of like liminal uh, gray space and the big war is happening yeah. and that's 100% CGI. Honestly, like I tune out. No kidding because yeah. like everybody found that to be very emotional and evocative. I thought it was better for sure but like you... The thing with Marvel, too, is you always kind of know where it's going. Sure. Like, even when, even in uh, uh, Infinity War, you're kind of like, okay, well, even if this ends right now with a a snap and people disappear, you're just kind of like, whoa, what happened? Honestly, well, I know. And the the idea that people ever thought maybe half the cast had been killed off is ludicrous to me. But, like, I've always felt that about Avengers movies in general. Certainly Age of Ultron, like... Mm -hmm. I guess they can one up themselves going forward. There's there's no end to like how big the spectacle can be. Right. But also like they destroyed Manhattan basically in Age of Ultron and there's like right. very little atonement for that. Right. So like we're really just like putting a hat on a hat by making the apocalypse bigger each time. Yes. Yeah, I think that's part of it too. It's like, oh, there's apparently more at stake. We're all flying around, ton of lasers. No one actually like 
I'm just like I I would way rather the the plot build. Yeah. I would rather it show a scene between two people talking the entire time while it just like showed people fighting outside the window. That's the playwright in you. Yeah, that's right. That's right. <laughs> Give like, me some story. I care, I care about Where the Where are your characters for crying out loud? <laughs> that's right. Where's a good character these days? Uh, and the other uh, movie sequel that got a title today is Downton Abbey, A New Era. <laughs> also a really dumb title. A New Era. Useless title. Yeah. It's the, also- The next generation. Yeah, it's so silly because- um, I get that these characters can come back and everything's built for them and they can make a big paycheck and like just just play these characters every five years. That's fine yeah. with me. People right. will be psyched about that. But like they're not actually evolving the world very well. So they're calling it a new era. And spoiler alert, the last Downton Abbey installment kind of ends on them coming to terms with really Lady Mary, who's like the main protagonist of the show, coming to terms with like Maggie Smith, her granny, is going to die soon. And so, like, that's where you leave it off. It's like, okay, like, now we're actually going to move into a new era because this matriarch of the family is going to die soon. But Maggie Smith's coming back for the new movie five years later, which I was, she had her out. She didn't have to come back for this. How is she even, how can they count on her? I don't know. Are they filming all of her scenes first? Isn't she, like, 90? Yeah, probably. Yeah, okay. Just saying. For insurance purposes. She might not be 90. No. She's shockingly young in the first Harry Potter movie, which is 20 years ago. Mm. Wasn't she also in Pan or in Hook? I don't think That's so. That's like the grandmother. Oh my God, you're so right. Yeah. And she would have been really young in Jack. that. She's Granny Wendy. Run home, Jack. Yeah. Yeah. Well, actually, she's Wendy. She's the Wendy. She's Wendy. Yeah. She is Wendy. Did you know that there were no Wendy's before Peter Pan by J.M. Barry? He invented the name Wendy. Oh, that's crazy. Yeah. I think I think if anyone would have told me that before, it would have been you. I only have a few facts. But I <laughs> but like I can't imagine anyone else telling me that. But crazy. I well, like it. We've talked so much about my dear friend Jade. Mm-hmm. The first Jade was Mick Jagger's daughter. You're kidding me. And now that I say it, it doesn't sound right, does it? Because it's like a jewel. Like jewels have been the inspiration right. for female names for years and the years. The first jewel was jewel. <laughs> it probably was. Um no, I'm going to stand by it. I think the first Jade, this would be a great opportunity for her to explain a thing. Jade, explain your name. Yeah. <laughs> explain your S- name. Explain the origins of your name. I want to say it was Mick Jagger's daughter. Yeah, I believe it. Mm-hmm. Jade, mm-hmm. how do you feel about that? Also, tell us about the Rolling Stones while you're at it. <laughs> <laughs> what are your <laughs> we were, thoughts on Charlie Watts? We were talking about them. <laughs> explain your name and what are your thoughts on Charlie Watts? <laughs> and Anita Pallenberg, too. That's and right. And the name Jammin. I like that. <laughs> Uh, Brandon Ruth, you remember Brandon Ruth? Nope. He was Superman in Superman Returns. Okay. That guy. Seemed poised to be a great big star, very charismatic, actually mm-hmm. good comedy chops, uh, and then kind of absent for a long, long time. He's going to star in a Magic the Gathering animated Netflix series, which is a lot of words. Mm-hmm. It'll be like High School, the musical, the musical, the show. Magic the Gathering. The Gathering, the show. <laughs> I feel like Magic the Gathering, not unlike D&D, is just this thing that, like, of course studios want to cinematize that. Want to own it. And how could it possibly be good? It's just not yeah. going to work. No. No. I, like, like uh, Duncan Jones made the movie of, uh, what's the video game that, that sucks in nerds and takes over their lives? World of Warcraft. World of Warcraft. He made the World of Warcraft movie, and it was terrible. Yeah. People, I don't think people were like, man, kid can't wait for that wasn't there also a halo movie there was always going to be a halo movie pete jackson was going to make it uh, and then that didn't happen for whatever reason and now i think it's slated again 
Oh, wow. See, I thought there was a Halo movie and like The Rock was in it or something. No. Okay. I feel like they missed their window. I mean, I'm sure there's still a Halo pocket, mm-hmm. but like, man, in 2006, Halo was everything. <laughs> yeah. In 2024, it's, it's less. going to be, yeah. It's not everything. It's going to be more like the Super Mario Brothers movie. I, I This is very interesting. Okay. There is a new free course being offered by Rotten Tomatoes in a new forum of their website called RT Labs, and it teaches entertainment criticism as a profession. <laughs> and you can take it for free. Wow. Yeah. We should do it. That sounds like fun. Should we do it and review a class every week? Actually, like, gain a credential and so we aren't just fools who don't know what they're talking right. about. I'll put it on my LinkedIn. Yeah. <laughs> I'm a professional Re- entertainment ac- reporter. <laughs> recent accreditation. <laughs> RT Labs. I would totally share that. I think it'd be fun. And, and have like a really like full of it explanation. Hey, I'm super proud to show off how hard I work to achieve <laughs> my RT resig- uh, my RT designation here. What do you mean like when people put their, their news on Facebook? Yes. And they're like, I'm happy to share about All this. All the hard work paid off. Oh, announcement alert. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and you put the well, little siren emoji. Well, I was real emoji. nervous about this, but <laughs> emotional post alert. <laughs> Can't wait to share with you my next big step. I'm certified fresh. <laughs> <laughs> uh, my first review is Encino Man. Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> Rotten Tomatoes gives this 67%, and I'm going to explain the logic behind that. Did you watch any more of Your Honor, the Brian Cranston rig? No, I didn't. I uh, It was one that was kind of on the list, but just didn't end up doing it. I went down a bit of a rabbit hole about Your Honor this okay. week because it got renewed for a second season. Whoa. Which didn't seem like it was in the cards even based on the pilot. No. Like it really feels set up like it's a limited series. Yep. So to refresh people, this is the show where Brian Cranston is like an esteemed judge mm-hmm. and his son, while driving and looking for his puffer at the same time, accidentally slams into this kid uh, on a motorcycle. On a motorcycle, the kid dies, and he does like a hit and run and leaves. And basically, mm-hmm. his father, the judge, has to use his legal acumen mm-hmm. to help his son cover up this hit and run, right? Because the dead kid was the son of a notorious mobster, right? Um, so that's and the he whole finds show. this out at the police department, right? And so the whole show is going to be about like this very tense, like will the mobster find out that you killed his son, and will he kill you in return, right? And now it's been. Um, renewed for a second season. Mm-hmm. And so I went into the Reddit comments mm-hmm. and it's just rife with people who uh, suffered through watching the whole season and Whoa. hated every minute well, of it. Well, I'll, I'll bring back that in that first episode, he runs into the family at the police station and it's like, why was the family at the police station and not at the, the hospital? hospital? Yeah. Like, why did they have to go in that night to like give a statement it just seems well yeah it kind of seems also like this like notorious mob boss wouldn't want to go to the police station right unless there are mob ties maybe there's corruption and they're probably doing that story could be anyways sorry to take you away from it so the consensus is that the kid is one of the most infuriating tv characters in a generation okay that like everything he does is stupid yeah everything he says is irritating and he just makes choices in the name of complicating the plot, in the name of creating drama, not because it's what a person would do. Right. And so in every way, people like us who just want to watch a thing are invested and not going to quit now, but absolutely hating this show. Mm -hmm. And those who actually finished it are all the more confused about how they're going to continue it now that they've seen the finale. Should I spoil the finale? Sure. So 
and I don't know who anybody is, and so there's a lot of gaps in the way I tell the story. But essentially, they pull it off, and okay. someone else kind of takes the fall, oh. and uh, and it's cleared up, and that person dies on their own anyway, and so like it seems like it's going to go away. maybe a bad guy. Yeah. It seems like yeah. it's going to go away. Mm-hmm. And then uh, Brian Cranston's son has started dating the sister of the kid he killed. <laughs> okay. Again. Right. You wouldn't do that. Probably not a good call. And so the two of them are at a uh, party, at a high school party, and someone comes into the high school party with a vendetta against someone else entirely, mm-hmm. tries to shoot that person, misses, and shoots Brian Cranston's son in the throat, and he dies. What? Yeah. <laughs> That's outrageous. And so the series ends with him like choking on blood and like fading into obscurity the wow. same remember how long how prolonged and egregious the death of the first kid was and how i found it really yeah. upsetting yeah they do that again i watched it on youtube <laughs> oh my god and i'm actually kind of here for this ending oh frig off well what i found out is that uh covid for whatever reason changed their ending and that their uh. ending was going to be that mob boss played by michael stuhlberg finds out who killed his son and rather than killing the kid he gets back at the judge by turning the kid into uh, a mobster? mini mobster, <laughs> which is a better ending. I like that. That's also fun. Yeah. <laughs> when I say also fun, I don't think the first ending was actual fun. None of this is fun. But I think that it was like an interesting, like, yeah, we'll kind of want to see what Brian Cranston does in the second season as a result of this. But where can they go? Yeah, I don't know. I really don't know. Yeah, actually, it seems, spider seems like maybe Jesus you end it after that. Yeah. But I kind of get why some people liked it. No, but nobody liked it. That's why I'm trying to tell nobody you. Nobody on Reddit really liked it. Yeah. But people like would come up to me being like, you got to watch Your Honor. Really? Yeah, but I don't know. I can't remember who those people were. <laughs> okay. You know what? It was Emily. Didn't Emily tell you you got to watch Your Honor? Emily. Jen's cousin. Yes. Yes, she did. Yeah. That's exactly what you, I was thinking You told of. me on the podcast. That's exactly what I was thinking Yeah, I of. think she's alone in that. It's my <laughs> understanding that people don't like the show. Okay. Well, you can tell Emily she'll be very excited. Her favorite show's coming back. That's <laughs> season two. <laughs> she'll be like, well, how are they doing that? Speaking of gruesome things, I've been meaning to ask you for a very long time what the deal was with the Underground Railroad. Because we mm. had months ago planned to talk about it on the podcast. Yeah. And then you texted me. That you yeah. were watching it, and I you're like, you're not gonna want, you're not gonna want to watch this. Let's do something else. And we just never, you, we never figured out why. And I'm only curious because um, I'm interested in Colson Whitehead as like a figure as a writer, and then also I feel like one of my great pop culture gaps is Barry Jenkins, and I'd like to remedy that. Mm. I'd like to rectify that. Mm-hmm. Um, so what is it about? About what's? It's just well, it's it's, it's about slaves and it's gory. Yeah, I think so. Like, you see a kid get, like, slapped in the face really quick. I I, I don't mean, like, <laughs> I, I make it sound so... What do you think of me? I, <laughs> no, oh, but Sweets it, would not like But this. it was, like, really affecting me. Yeah. Like, I was, like, really in a in a state of like, oh no, 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 no. Like it was very like dour, like the kind of like music behind it. It was all like very charged, just like, oh, like here come the the slave. Like, no, no, no. Like, I don't know if it was, there must've been something more to that because it was like two months ago. Yeah. But I turned it off really quick. I was like, this is, I can't do it. Like, I just, I, can't. I, I love the, the 
like so it's a it's a book. I told this to Colin too and he was like, "Oh, like so you weren't like uh like comfortable enough to Yeah, like, well that's what I'm thinking too. It's like and, and you didn't you didn't find the slave show easy to watch? Well, sure. And I was like, "Well, who's like 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 super amped to watch this?" Well, <laughs> wouldn't that be weirder? <laughs> well, it falls in the genre of magical realism. And the premise is really cool because it's the story of of the freedom of the slaves, I guess, or like in that era right. during the Underground Railroad as we know it. But in this universe, it's literally a railroad. So it's a real train. Uh, okay. So that's kind of a cool idea. It was it was just really quick. Like I making a character judgment on you and the way that you consume uh kind of like goriness yeah i was struggling with it i don't usually struggle with it maybe there was just like a, a heaviness to it that i found too well, much sometimes it is tones and and a, the suggestive quality of content that makes me upset more so than the actual visual mm. of it maybe that was it well y- you should try to watch it then well like i said i need we, to... we can try to watch it like I, <sighs> i'll do it the, i think that was the other thing was i was like us talking about it well sure probably productive on a level maybe on our own maybe privately yeah i think that's maybe what yeah. has to be done i just think us putting out a uh, podcast about it and like trying to you know yeah discuss everything in it it seems a little it seems weird absolutely it i don't know that that's our place yeah that's fair that's totally fine maybe that's it like well, it, it would be it would be not that it's not our place but it would be maybe cringy to listen to probably oh yeah probably so <laughs> but but I do think that I need to catch up on Barry Jenkins. There's no real re- decent reason why I haven't seen mm-hmm. Moonlight, which is supposed to be like one of the great movies of our time. Right. And if Beale Street can talk and too. I haven't, I, like I, haven't, I haven't watched either of those. We can do a trilogy. Well, we we should, can do a deep dive. Maybe both of us should definitely watch Moonlight. That seems we should like... Just like like lock ourselves because away if for a anybody bit. is like listening to this podcast at random because they also like pop culture mm-hmm. and they just heard us both say well we never saw we, moonlight we never watched any of the Barry we Jenkins really just things. like disqualified ourselves we really need that rt course is the problem sure that could be it yeah it could be it we need to to round out the what well, the thing is that i think we just do the stuff that that people are talking about that we do the most like popular things yeah the most popular shows. Well, there's a chance that Underground Railroad might win Emmys. Is kind of the reason I bring it up. And I sp- oh, okay. Barry Jenkins was on uh, was on Marin this weekend, so that's why oh, he was. How was that again? Good, really interesting. Nice. Yeah. Um, I'm down. I'm down. Let's do it. Ugh. Okay. Well, we don't have to do it on the show, but we could do like we could do a Moonlight, and we could do uh, an Underground Railroad. Yeah, we can talk about we Moonlight could... on the show. It's an important film. Totally. Yeah. I think. All right, we should talk about shows because we're running very long. I know. What okay. time is it now? Uh, late. I gotta go. Bye. <laughs> uh, I'll go first. Russell Smith. I will recap. I guess I'll recap Nine Perfect Strangers. It's a little fresher in my oh, head. Oh, you're such a gem for doing this. Oh, okay. What's the other show again? <laughs> the Chair. Yes. Okay. We're good. Okay, this is the new. Uh, it's on a Hulu. It stars Nicole Kidman, among other people. Yes. Okay, so we're going to recap Nine Perfect Strangers, Seven Perfect Strangers, as Jen called it the other day, in three, (laughs) two, 
one, Nine Perfect Strangers. The Nine Perfect Strangers are all of the different guests attending a health and wellness retreat at this weird like spa in the woods run by this mythic Russian woman who apparently is going to change your way of thinking and make you happier. Masha. For example, uh, Melissa McCarthy is like a struggling author. Um, she butts heads with Bobby Cannavale who's there by himself and maybe has like a wife he's not getting along with. There's also a family that's there. Um, and there's also something just kind of suspicious about like the hypnotic nature of Nicole Kidman as a guru. Mm. I've run out of time. So like we spend the first three quarters of the episode getting to know all the different nine perfect strangers. Mm. <clears throat> and they come in, in pairs in some cases and there's one family of three people. So they're not all like strangers to each other. Um, or maybe they are. Uh, but then in the final quarter, Nicole Kidman, Marsha, makes her appearance mm -hmm. and she's like very woo woo and kind of scary and then they bit. have their first class and they're all like standing in a circle and she's in the middle and something that bothered me about it is that they're all there voluntarily but most of them are hostile and they very, seem like they're very really reluctant and don't want to be there and they are all hid thing like trying to sneak things in yeah you're not allowed like, to have your phone and right. so luke evans well, he gave up his phone. He still has his Apple Watch and his AirPods, which it seems like they'd be smart enough to get around that. <laughs> to be like, hey, yeah, you can still make calls from this thing. Yeah. And so he says to her, he calls her out in the first session, and he's like, uh, what's your deal? Why are you here or something? We don't know anything about you. Yeah. <laughs> and she's like, I'm here because I died, and then I came back to life. And so she gives her a little backstory. Right. We don't know how much of it is true, mm -hmm. um, but basically she came from Russia. She kind of made it in the corporate world, was like, in the rat race, like hardcore go, go, go. Right. And then she got shot in a parking garage and she was legally dead. And then Manny Jacinto, who was one of her, um, uh, yeah. her, um, by the way, I didn't really recognize him. No, it took um, me a second. Yeah. His hair was very different. He was one of her paramedics and he brought her back to life. And then I guess she found this new inner peace and she brought him in and now he's one of the gurus at the right. lodge yeah. there's actually like 12 people in the show because there's uh the nine perfect strangers there's nicole kidman and then there's these two staff members who right. are there uh melissa mccarthy it's very notable she probably gets the most screen time because she's like a movie star yeah i didn't know that she was going to be in it she just shows up and she's one of the stars of the show mm -hmm. not very nice no and then there's, uh, what's his name? Uh, I want to say Sheen, uh, but I, I don't know if that's right. Is that Michael right? Shannon. Michael Shannon. Such yes. a good actor. I though. love it. Oh, I love that actor so much. And him and uh, Bobby Cannaval were both in Boardwalk Empire. Mm -hmm. That's good, right. Good tie there. There's a great scene with Michael Shannon where he's at the hot spring. It was the best. Samara Weaving, who's like Margot Robbie Light. She's yeah. the wife of, <clears throat> this actor, by the way, I have a, his name written down because I wanted to get it right. Uh, Marvin Gregg, he plays Ben, or or Jammin, right. if you will. Yep. Do you remember when we talked about American Vandal all those years ago? And mm -hmm. I loved American Vandal. Yeah. And the second season, there is, well, you know where I'm going with this. He's in it. He's okay. he's kind of the star. He's the guy who it's pinned on the crime, and he's yeah. actually not guilty. Um, he's like the star basketball player. And it's one of the best fake reality performances I've ever seen. It's so real. He captures something as a high school BMOC in season two American Vandal that felt so visceral to me. I could not believe it was it was a performance. Um, anyway, so he plays he plays the husband of Samara Weaving in the hot spring. And there's this very awkward scene there 
where the two of them, he's like very cold to his wife. She's there because she seems to want to like yeah, connect with her and, husband again. And he he's se- not into it. And he seems nice to to uh, uh, Mike. Why do I want to say Michael Shannon? There is a Michael Sheen. You're confused. With no, Mike, no, Michael I know, Sheen, I know. But, but Michael, Michael Shannon, Shannon is his okay. name. Yeah. So Michael Shannon um, is like looking over and he's like, oh, now it seems like he, he offers like the opportunity to drive in his Lamborghini. Yeah. And then he says, Oh, it looks like you're like you want to like take her for a ride or something. Yeah, he makes it totally awkward, and like, he's like, "Whoa, whoa, whoa, there, Nelly." Implies <laughs> like, I'm that not Mike, sure about that. He implies that Michael Shannon was like eyeing up his wife, which he yeah. wasn't. It was not clear to us that he no. was doing that. And, and then it like it it gets disarmed pretty quick, but it's just like a weird kind of kind of vibe to throw in there. Yeah, and Michael Shannon kind of disarms it, but he is like, like very much a. Uh, I'm interested to see what his character actually is in it. Because clearly it's like him and his wife and their daughter. Yeah. But she's really triggered by something that Marcia says and is like, hey, she is, the mother's like, you know our past. She's triggered by everything. Like yeah. there, it's earlier in the episode, uh, Melissa McCarthy is like, I don't, I think she's like, you're very pretty. Or she says something nice. Right, and the then mother. she's like, well, what do you mean by that? Right. She's very easily triggered. And the daughter is also kind of sly. Yeah. So yeah. I'm not sure what's going on there. There's uh, Regina Hall, who's like very timid, and she's the only one who's like actively keen about this program, although in kind of like a nervous, anxious, excited way. Yeah. We don't really learn a, a lot about her at all. And <laughs> she's, uh, yeah, uh, obviously of uh, scary movie fame. Right. That's it right. Ha- it has to be noted. And we catch Luke Evans on a phone call in the woods, and he's like talking to maybe his ex-boyfriend or something yeah definitely and that's the whole thing that's kind of the whole thing i mean i I, this show will either it had by the way like the best um debut episode in hulu history or something oh it'll either be very successful or it'll in fact be harmed by the success of white lotus it's an amazon prime show for us right oh you're able to find it on prime yeah oh it's on prime no i did not do that i found it other ways (laughs) okay um White Lotus was was like kind of not expected to be as big of a deal as it was, I think. And it's also this, yeah. this like, I don't know if people can hear the plane, but there's a plane in my backyard. Helicopter. Helicopter. Welcome to Dartmouth. Anytime on the podcast, uh, Freedom, when a helicopter flies over, they go, they're looking for someone, they're looking for someone, they're looking for someone, helicopter. <laughs> they are. I hope they find them. Hope Good you luck. find who you're looking for. Good luck to you guys. <laughs> Uh, it's like White Lotus in that it's this big ensemble of like complicated, not very likable people, and it takes place in like a special, isolated place. Yeah, and you're kind of trying to pick apart what their motives or if they're a good person or bad but person. But we've stripped away the inherent Agatha Christie format, mm-hmm. and and like the the characters are not as fun yet. Right. No. And I kind I know this is a bit of a hot take. I think I've said it before. I kind of don't get Kidman. I kind of never have. Right. Yeah. No. That's. I feel like it's a. If you said that on the red carpet, it would not uh, go over well. Why would I say it on the red carpet? Well, because you've just been nominated for your thirty-first. Thirty-first. So I'm old. No, 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 no. They've the format has changed. The format has changed. I work for Quibi every second week. Yeah, exactly. Quibi is a big deal, and 
uh, because of your RT designation, you're right. you're you're on the red carpet. Who am I talking to? Like Reese Witherspoon? Like, well, I, definitely not Nicole Kidman. No, but like her <laughs> she, her colleague she actually is Reese stops for you, and you right. say like, "I actually moved along. I've never gotten you, and I don't <laughs> think I ever will." <laughs> I actually think your accent work has not been good in twenty years. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> you're like a you're like a a calm Billy Agner. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> which is just mean, and it's clearly not a joke. <laughs> mean and sincere. <laughs> Uh, except Billy Eichner would like Nicole Kidman. He I would he her. would stand Nicole Kidman. And like I don't dislike her. She's a good actor. I just think that like do you remember her accent wasn't good in The Undoing and it's not good yes. in this either. No. Not and in a lot I, of things. I kind of think that this show is just like the natural next step in the uh Big Little Lies, Little Fires Everywhere, The Undoing, Nine Perfect Strangers uh trajectory and then I Big thought- Little Fires Undone by Strangers. <laughs> <laughs> And we're jamming. (laughs) (laughs) I thought that already. And then I looked up who wrote uh, Nine Perfect Strangers, and it's freaking Lorianne Moriarty who did the Big Little Lies. (laughs) So it's all the same people. (laughs) It's just a big friggin' wheel of Nicole Kidman. Yes. Making money hand over fist in these these, little isolated dramas. But she signed a contract. Yeah. She's very famous. We got to get to the bottom of it. Uh, anything else I wanted to say about this? What do you think of um, about uh, Cannavale? He's kind of interesting. He's there in his Tilly hat. I just think he's like one of maybe the greatest actors of our time in like Ooh. a like a TV interesting role. Very like, good character you, actor. You can put him him and Michael Shannon actually. I think would be like I'd I'd watch them in anything. Michael Shannon has an obvious magnetism to him. I don't yeah. think people would argue that. But Bobby Cannavale is not top of mind for most people. Bobby Cannavale. Yeah, he's got more of an intense thing in everything he does. Michael Shannon can turn it up and turn it down. Yeah. Go at you. Right. I don't think I have any other thoughts on this. I didn't like it. No, I don't give my ass. No ass. But it's a big deal. People are excited about it. Maybe maybe I'll watch another one because we're not watching anything else. Sure. Yeah. I mean, it's better than than another West Wing. Just kidding. (laughs) Whoa, bud. Whoa, buddy. You should watch The West Wing, man. It's good. I should. Except you can't because it's impossible to stream it anywhere. Hmm. Well, I have the DVDs. I've been watching DVDs like a punk. Whoa. Yeah. That rules it out for me. Yeah, I know. I understand. Um, unless Sensino Man, I'm not watching it on DVD. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Let's uh, let's roll on to the next show. It's The Chair. Yes. And it stars Sandra Oh. Mm-hmm. And it's on Netflix. And you can recap the first episode of that in three, two, one, go. Headline, the chair is electric. Sandra O oh <laughs> rises her role as a brand new chair of a university. <laughs> uh, she has been given tenure and is kind of trying to save multiple teachers' jobs by being progressive, yet at the same time uh, acknowledging the, the past while also being a foster mother um, to a young girl and uh, helping others like her right i didn't get that she was a foster mother i just thought that she was her biological mother i think so she she mentioned something at one point about um like you're never gonna leave me right right because i so i i kind of thought that the other um Actually, I don't know anymore. Well, I don't know, except for that there is an instance in the show already well established that parents don't stick around. They yes. either die or something else. Right, exactly. So 
So I thought that the the other professor, the kind of like older gentleman who's kind of like a fuck up. Bob Balaban from Wes Anderson movies. Is that okay? Yeah. So he, I thought that he um was maybe saying goodbye to was it maybe his daughter at the beginning? Oh or no, we're talking was, about that's Jay Duplass, who is like her friend who got her the, the tenure job. Yes. Oh, that's Jay Duplass. Yes, Jay Duplass. Oh, and Mark Duplass is his brother. His brother. Yeah. Okay, so Jay Duplass. I was wondering why I recognized him. But so he was saying goodbye to his daughter? Yeah, it's his beginning? daughter. Okay. And it's very clear that his wife and her mother have died. Like yes. and that and that's why he's in this like kind of depressive totally. uh, self-destructive state. But it, the young daughter I thought might have also been his and she was looking after him. Oh. Because I don't think that she ever acknowledged Sandra O oh as like her mom. Well, no, but she did say, "How old were you when your mom died?" Yeah, and she was like, "I was 14." And right. then the kid looks kind of weird, and Sandra O oh goes, "Are you afraid that I'm going to die when you're 14?" Uh, Which is kind of like an implication that she's the mom. Yeah. yeah, yeah, I'm not sure. It's still interesting. Like it's it's implied that this little girl, uh has maybe a trauma or it just has a darkness to her. Cause like her babysitter or her teacher or whatever has like flagged this little drawing. This, like this four year old did disturbing thing they've ever seen. And it's like a kid using a saw to cut off someone's head. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Which it is disturbing, but the show is a comedy where I mean, we've said only very uh, sad things about it, it's but it's, true. it's definitely like a quirky show. See, mm. I mean, I feel two ways about it. Cause like on the one hand, the opening shot is, her sitting in a chair mm -hmm. and then the word the chair comes on the screen mm -hmm. and then the chair collapses. Like the fact that the show is called oh, The yeah. Chair and then she has all this- Weirdly, like, I didn't put that together. Oh God, I thought it was so heavy handed. Like the whole episode, <laughs> she doesn't have a chair literally. I think I might've had a laptop on my lap while like watching the show. And so I found that, uh, you know, kind of whatever. But also like- A little trite. A, a little trite. And just that she's like, whoa, clumsy, but you love her. Like, that's kind right. of been, it's well-trodden territory. But at the same time, I do kind of love her because she's Sandra Oh. And some she's of the, dropping F-bombs. Yeah, some of the jokes are funny. And actually, speaking of um, of Edge, uh, Holland Taylor, who plays like the old lady who, uh, yes. who her office has been moved. Who tries to throw the Frisbee at one point. She's really good. Yeah. She's, she's, good. she's like not playing, because one of her more well-known roles to our generation is as a much more stern university professor in Legally Blonde. Oh, is that and right? Here, and that? here she's got these like big Coke bottle glasses yeah. and she's like kind of timid. Right. Um, so she's very good. Um, and then there's there's Bob Balaban who I mentioned who he's having like having to share a curriculum mm. with a, a much younger professor. Yeah. So his curriculum's being evolved into and he's sex also, in the novel. You almost kind of think that he's going to get like, like a little bit more... Um, kind of like stomped on but, yeah but it ends up being him being more like can you hand these copies out and stuff and meanwhile she had a super successful class going on and he only had like four people in his class so you kind of feel bad for him at first and then by the end of it you're like screw this guy and then the, the otherwise most development goes to the J. Duplass character where it's kind of he gives a random student a ride to school no actually she gives him a ride to school yeah because um, he's he's like she, always it's like super drunk she's like a student teacher yeah he's like sleeping everywhere she's a student teacher and it's implied that uh, he is kind of a legend on campus like very well liked professor right. and, and thought of very highly academically sp speaking 
Yep. And he wrote a novel. Mm-hmm. People are excited to take his class. And uh, then he's like setting up for class and he plugs in his laptop into the projector. And it's still open to a, a labor video of his wife like yeah. having a baby. Right. And she's like topless and it's like, and it's obviously humiliating. And he's not even affected by it. I he, found that ridiculous. He, yeah, yeah. Like so he too. like stops to like look at it and smile because he misses his dead wife. Right. But like there's a hundred students yes. that are like jaws on the floor. Maybe stop it. And it's they quite start ridiculous. just recording his classes because they're like, what sort of bombshell's going to drop? And is that gives... why they start recording? Well, maybe. I don't know. And he he definitely is kind of a legend. But yeah, he like throws up. Uh, he's like a he's talking about he's talking about like symbolism or something. Uh, and then he throws up like a, a Heil Hitler at one point. <clears throat> well, that's how the episode ends. That's notable. And 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 it's yeah recorded. And then you're like, okay, well, obviously that's gonna get released, and that's gonna be a shit. I took show. offense to that yeah. because it's clearly where they're gonna go with the story. Uh huh. And you're right. He's like giving a lesson in propaganda and the dangers of messaging. Right. And he uses the phrase Heil Hitler in context. Mm-hmm. And. Before this, he's already got students like pulling out their phones to record him, yeah. and and that it's implied that in the next episode they're going to use this to like sabotage him just for fun and the love of chaos, as if these like students don't already respect and appreciate that there was context in the moment. I think is a dramatic misreading and misunderstanding of Gen Z mm. and what they do with technology. Mm. Yeah, that's did a, I over that's, did I overread that? Not having seen episode two. Well, it's a nuanced a nuanced thought of it, but also couldn't you see that being shared by someone who's potentially no out of a hundred or one hundred and twenty people? But it wasn't. It was dozens of people recording it. It was only before the, he even did that. Yeah, true. It that, just it, that's a good point. I don't. I don't think any of these people are unreasonable enough, and I don't think that they have the time in their day to just for no reason. They don't have any anything against. Uh, this no, teacher got no to just try and cancel him yeah. by taking something out of context and truncating his quote. Mm-hmm. It's ridiculous. Mm-hmm. And I don't know how they're going to go forward with that in episode two. And the thing is, I am going to watch episode two because this episode, this show was easy to watch. It was it's easy. A very watch. watchable show. Yeah. Um, and so I'll let you know. I'll get back Keep to me you. posted. Um, but I, I thought that that was a dumb way to start to propel uh, conflict for this character who already has enough conflict going on. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, he's got a lot going on in his world. Yep. Yep. So do you give it your ass? No, not really, but I thought it was very watchable. I'll give it my ass. It wasn't as bad as... Well, it wasn't I bad. I thought it was going to be. I just didn't think it was great. Mm-hmm. Um, and maybe that's too high of a bar. Do you think that on the J. Duplass character, do you think that we're going to have him hook up with that student teacher who gave him a drive? Because I think that the... like the. No, I think he's going to hook up with Sandra Oh. Although I mean, yeah. her ex is uh, what's his name? Forgot to mention that uh, the guy from Lost. Oh yeah, Daniel Day Kim. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Hard to beat that. So, yeah, it's true. So will he show up? Definitely. Mm. <laughs> he just posed for a photo. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, maybe. Uh, another thing that's not in this first episode, and I'm really curious to see how they do it. Is David Duchovny is going to be in this show as himself? Oh. Which maybe he's going to he's going to play like a satirical like pseudo intellectual English professor version of David Duchovny. I love it. I'm in. Which is I'm just in. Hank Moody from Californication, but I want to see it. Yeah, and that got me wondering like what are the best instances of people playing themselves in things? 
because Nicolas Cage is about to play himself in the movie about Nicolas Cage. Right. Um, I don't know. My mind automatically shoots to Entourage, but that doesn't mean that any of those people in it were the best uh, versions. No, but just like good performances. Like uh, uh, Curb Your Enthusiasm is a never exa- another example of what you're describing. So like Ted Danson is so good in Curb Your Enthusiasm. Yeah. Um, Jonah Hill in This Is The End is unreal. Yeah, that's true. Um, oh, I can't really think of any other examples off the top of my head, but I think you've, I think you've nailed it. James Vanderbeek and Don't Trust the the Bee in Apartment Twenty Three. He plays himself. He plays himself. Yeah. Huh. Yeah. No, I didn't know that either. He's a regular on that show, wasn't he? Yeah, he was like one of the stars of the show. Just like plays plays, uh, James Vanderbeek, and he's just a friend. The former Dawson's Creek star, James Vanderbeek, a friend of the Bee in Apartment Twenty Three. Huh. No, I I honestly I would like to to do a little bit more of a deep dive on characters that have played themselves in shows. Because I don't have it off the top of my dome. There was a time where Russell Brand was supposed to play Russell Brand in the Bookie Wook movie. And it's too late for that now. Well, yeah, that's just kind of an autobiography of himself, right? Like, Absolutely, but wouldn't that have been fun once upon a time? Sure, but it's not going to be a different version of himself. No, you're right. I well, except for that, it is going to be his version of himself. Sure, yeah, yeah. It It's not going to be you know Seth Green and Entourage being an asshole who like right for some reason runs Hollywood and like continually bumps into Is that the bit? The crew. Yeah, yeah. He's not like a villain in Hollywood, but he's definitely like a a dickhead to like the entire Entourage crew and it rolls deep <laughs> like he's got like a posse. I don't know if 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 my brain just made this ridiculous hop, skip, and a jump, but like you mentioned, Seth Green, who was like sometimes in that '70s show, but I immediately thought of Laura Prepon having left Scientology. That was another thing yeah. that went around this week. Yeah, that was. Yeah, and it was kind of like, hey, I left Scientology this five week. years ago. She left it. Oh, yeah, good for her. Yeah, it is good for her. Probably great to escape from. Maybe that. I'm going too hard on the chair. <laughs> Maybe I kind of like the chair. It's electric. There. Thank you for that laugh. There's one other big thing about the chair, which is that it's written and created by Amanda Peet. Oh my God, I totally forgot about that, and I meant to bring it up yeah. when that came up on screen. <laughs> I was like, "Oh shit, it's an Amanda Peet joint!" Right. I wanted to uh, text my sister. I haven't done that yet. I need to do that just to see what she thinks. So about... for for context, Slaney's sister is an accomplished pl- playwright who went to a, a screenwriting program yeah. in or a playwriting program in in Columbia University, and her 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 chair, if you will, her story was was once Amanda Peet's chair. Yes. Who dropped out? Yeah. And so kids were apparently at the school expecting Amanda Pete to walk in, and right. my sister walked in. Um, in any and case, she's like an okay writer. Honestly, I'm going hard on her show, but like it's kind of a fun, it was fine. fun show. Yeah. yeah, it's good. Uh, but Jen at the end of the show went. <laughs> she clearly didn't have any schooling. In it. <laughs> <laughs> she should have gone to Columbia. Yeah, it was great. All right. Well, Will Smith is about to star in a romantic comedy set in the NASCAR world. We go from chairs to red tables. That's right. The red table is always looming. Guess who's producing this NASCAR Will Smith romantic comedy? Producing it. You could. You could, I could give you all night, bud. Tom Cruise. The Chainsmokers. <laughs> I wasn't expecting. Uh, no, you weren't. I, w- I wasn't expecting a, a sort of like noun to be right. <laughs> in the name that was involved. You know the Chainsmokers? The, the Chainsmokers. Yeah, there's, there's the, the songwriting yes. duo. People that smoke. Yeah. Yeah. 
No, I I was not expecting the Chainsmokers. Would you trust that? Obviously not. No. I mean, I don't even know. Like, I don't even trust their music. I don't trust anything about. I don't trust NASCAR. I don't trust anything about I this trust cocktail. DJ Jazzy Jeff more than Chainsmokers. If DJ Jazzy Jeff wanted to make a movie with the Chainsmokers, we wouldn't watch it, but it would come up at some point in the podcast. Jazz smoke. Jazz smoke. Yeah, I don't know. Uh, jazz cigarettes. Maybe that's what it'd be called. <laughs> no. No. no, no, the chain. Do you want? Do you want to improvise what this Will Smith movie is going to be about? It's a romantic comedy. So is he the NASCAR driver? Yes, I think so. Unless he he's be. like, uh, you know, no, he can't be the NASCAR driver. He has to be like a pit crew. No, I don't think a pit crew member. I think maybe like a principal, like someone kind of like running the team. Okay, it's like a hitch thing, and he's like the guy who's kind of like in charge of the whole team. And the the crazy thing It's like a hitch thing? Yeah. It's a, in the sense that it's a romantic comedy. Oh, so I see. he's being profiled by this this young lady. Oh, we're doing the journalist trope. Yes. Okay. And it's Amanda Pete. Sure. She's starring as the journalist. Oh, okay. And um the chain spokers are on the pit crew. Yeah. Right. Uh but the big thing is, the big twist, Will Smith is blind. Wow. Yeah, beautiful. But the best, the best uh, racing principal that there's been. The best manager. I for some reason you said the best, and I thought the best part of waking up is soldiers in your yeah. cup. That's immediately what my brain did. Because <laughs> that, that's how tired you are. <laughs> You're just like I gotta go to bed. I am tired. It's been a long week. Me too, man. Yeah. You okay? I think it's just because it's been so hot. Oh my god, it's been brutal. It's been nice outside. Yep. And it's kind of been killing me that I can't go outside. I've actually been running the AC upstairs. Um, you can go outside. I can go outside. I can, yeah. but because of the work that I'm supposed to be doing inside, I oh, feel bad going yeah. outside. I see. And then if I don't get the work done that I'm supposed to in the day, I then feel bad going outside. I just usually end up going to like the gym or something. Oh, a breeze just cut through as you were saying that. Mm-hmm. All right, let's call it. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> never trust Will Smith. Never trust Will Smith. Never trust Will Smith.